Lynn Whitbeck is transforming leadership in sales. This is her focus. She's been all through corporate America with very large sales deals, and now she runs Petite to Queen, a great, great firm out of the out of the Northwest who focuses on leadership and sales, especially in women. 66% of her audience is women and the struggles that they have to uh, face in the, in the corporate world and leadership uh, and in sales. But a fascinating discussion, business and leadership, what's important, what leaders should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, how different leadership is from management and sales, of course. We're all in sales in the corporate world. We need to do sales no matter what we do. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Lynn's a delight. She's a, she's really, really smart. She really gets it. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Lynn Whitbeck, it's a, it's a pleasure. Are you in the Seattle area now? Um, just north of Seattle on Lopez Island. On Lopez Island. We have good friends uh, that moved out of Queen Anne into Kirkland. And they have a place down in Suncadia. We were just there. We go there every summer. A uh, great relaxing spot. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I love Washington State. Yeah, I love it. So Lynn, <laughs> tell me, what what makes a great leader? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's start well, there. A great, <laughs> let's start with a great leader. Yeah. A great leader, the number one thing is that they create an environment for their team members to thrive hmm. so that everyone can just be enthusiastic, be passionate, um, and be all in because then everyone in the whole company does so much better. And, you know, by creating that environment, then your team members can grow, you know, they can evolve. Um, they can take initiative. Uh, they want to take initiative. Uh, they want to be all, you know, just be the best that they can be. And so that would be the number one thing I would say to, to be a great leader. And the difference between people can often confuse leadership and management. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> big difference. <laughs> there is a big difference. And you can be a leader and be a team member 
you know, that people come to you because they're looking for advice or insight or a, just to bounce ideas off that you're receptive and that you can help them brainstorm through something or look at a, a, a situation, a problem, a challenge and flip the switch, right? And look mm -hmm. at it in a different way from a different angle or approach. And because of how you embrace the diversity of thought and different approaches and angles, they know that you're someone that they can go to and ask for help, you know, or, yeah, or just say, I want to run by something by you and see what you think. So they can reinforce, okay, yeah, I'm on the right path. You know, I'm thinking the right, the right thing. I haven't missed something here. And so that is not necessarily a manager, right? That's right. just somebody who's on your team that you know that is the go-to person. Very, very interesting. And it's, you know, with these days of remote and people aren't physically together, it's harder and harder to lead, isn't it? All right. It's more <laughs> difficult. It's more challenging, isn't it? Oh, by, by technology, by remote like this? Um, actually, I would say that the number one reason that companies have these issues with either leadership or management is that they don't have systems and processes in place with transparency and clarity hmm. so that everyone knows where to go for, so they can self-help, first of all, to get the information that they need, right? And they know the rules of the road, like, okay, I'm not going to send an email replying to some random email just with some totally new information, or hmm. I'm not going to send an email that's got completely divergent information in it, or I'm not going to include people, right? Just basic communication skills. Right. But those types of, all of those types of things really make up um, the difference. So you can have chaos, whether you are on site and you're hmm. a cubicle away, or you're in a different country. <laughs> and it comes down to creating that, those systems, the processes, and transparency and clarity so that everyone on the team knows the direction they're rowing in, they know what they need to do, and they can self-help first. And then they bring, when they come into the meetings, that you're going over very, you have already have a published agenda, and you're going over exactly what needs to get done and where things are at and trouble spots that, or challenges that someone may be facing so that you can work through it and then move on to the next item. So you're saying that being remote is just an excuse for bad leadership. They just, if you're a great leader, it doesn't matter. Is this well, what you're saying? I would, I would say, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm going to put my neck out there. I mean, I've been working remotely for decades. And so if you want to be a top performer, you need to work in whatever environment that requires. And to think that everyone, especially with my old corporate America career, right? I mean, I was working all over the country and literally the company was flying me all over the world and I had to work wherever I was and I had to be able to work effectively and get things done and communicate effectively. So just because I was on a plane for six hours or whatever was no excuse. Interesting. And this is where SOPs, where standard operating procedures come in place. Uh, you know, all this foundation should be laid. This is necessary for great leaders to lead. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that it, it requires that discipline to take a step back and say, okay, 
Let's map this out. What are we doing? Let's invest an hour. We're going to get in a virtual room with a sticky board and figure this out. And how do we make this process work more effectively where there's gaps, where are, where is things going well that we might be able to replicate? Hmm. And how can we all um, make this literally, like if you're looking at a board and you're assembling uh, pipes that go onto a machine, that that board has each pipe literally outlined, almost like, you know, the body in the, in the movies, the you know, murder mystery movies. Right. <laughs> it's got the outline of the exact part and all those parts are there. So when the team member comes and looks at that board, they go, oh, wait, that piece is missing. I can't, I need to get that piece, uh, you know, but they have another board ready to go so they can pull it forward and they know exactly the next board to pull forward, right? And so you can do that and manage all that. And you don't need super fancy tools. <laughs> um, you can map all of this out using a Google Drive, right? right? And you just have to think through the hierarchy where things are going to make sense. And by doing that planning and then putting that in place and then that everyone knows the rules of the road, that clarity and the transparency, voila, all of a sudden that investment of an hour, two hours, whatever it takes, it pays off in hours and hours of soul sucking wasted time that's mm. gone and that frustration and the annoyance uh, and that's gone and that lifts your entire team so glad you mentioned discipline <laughs> it takes it takes a, a lot of that everywhere and uh, you've got great content up on uh, up on your your various sites and on YouTube and I one one thing that pointed out where you're talking specifically to women how they need to understand sales, even if they're not going to, and you get, you know, even if you're negotiating what you're going to watch with your, your partner on Netflix tonight, you need to understand sales. How that's so, so true. Yeah. And it's true for every gender, however you associate yourself, right? Sales is leadership. And that's because you have to learn to work with people with divergent styles. You have to learn how to treat everyone with dignity and respect so you can make those negotiations a win-win. Mm. It's really about helping and serving others. And every day in our lives, we do help and serve others, whether it's our family members, our coworkers, our peers, our boss. Um, you can manage up very effectively with sales skills. And those sales skills are a huge career boost to wherever your life takes you. Can a great leader be a great leader in any industry? Hmm. I would say yes. There's going to be a learning curve because you're going to have to learn about the pipes that go on the board. Hmm. <laughs> but you know what? You can immerse yourself in the business, you know, and literally work on the shop floor and work side by side to see how everything runs. You can invest a couple of weeks doing that, right? And all of a sudden, you know a lot about the inner workings of the business. And the other knowledge that you bring to the table, and I'm going to say that really boldly because as a sales champion closing mm. multi-million dollar deals, I worked with wildly different organizations. So take Costco. There are warehouses that are all across the U.S. And, and the world as they keep growing. And then you've got someone like mm. Terex. They build very big, heavy equipment that's used to manufacture warehouses. <laughs> Right. Very, very different industries. 
but I could learn the language within each of those cultures that were unique and talk with them and make sure that what we were doing met what their once needs and goals were and how it was going to benefit them so they can do what, right? And so a great leader can do that the same way. They can just immerse themselves and learn new things, right? You know, if you don't have a growth mindset, just get out of town. <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly right. Do Are great leaders born or can they be trained? Oh, goodness. Great leaders born. They're always trained. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, from the time that you're a kid and you're learning how to ride the bike, it's like, are you encouraged? Like, okay, yeah, I realize you just flipped off of it and you skinned your knees, your elbows, and maybe your chin in my case, but you know what? You can get back on and you can figure out what you didn't do right. And you can learn from that, right? <laughs> Great leaders Absolutely. learn from their mistakes, you know, and they learn that that's, they realize it is part of their learning process. And as we get older, we need to think back when something goes just, yeah, you know, and go, well, yeah, I fell off the back and I skinned my chin, but I'm going to be okay because what did I learn from this? I learned what not to do. <laughs> and there are things that did go right. And how can we incorporate them in the next iteration? Exactly right. And I agree. And how much of leadership is science versus art? Oh my goodness. You know, I think that, I think there's, it's hard to say, you know, left brain, right brain, right? Right. It's really, you have to have that growth mindset. First of all, everything in our world changes so rapidly. In my lifetime, I still remember when we got our first fax machine and I'm thinking like, what the heck? Why are we ever going to use this? Within a month, I couldn't live without it, right? Right. <laughs> And nowadays, you say fax machine to somebody who's 20 years old, and they look at you like, what the, what? <laughs> so everything changes. So if you, you need that growth mindset, both to be able to expand your own personal and professional development, but also as a mechanism to, you know, embrace, you know, the new technology, new changes, new thoughts, and how they can benefit you and how you can um, expand, you know, your own, uh, like I said, your own horizons. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's always got to be that, that mixture of, of science and, and art when making decisions, when leading, does a leader need to have, I remember the Jeff Bezos book, the, the two takeaways I, I took one, the first one was he, they never have a, uh, a team larger than can feed two pizzas. I think I have that right. <laughs> <laughs> or one pizza. I'm not sure. But the other one was um, how much information that one of his leaders need to have as far as percentage before they can make a decision. So if you have very little, you know, it's going to be too rash. But if you wait too long to get 100%, you may be behind the curve and you may not be able to capitalize on it. And I believe he said the answer was about 60%. Does that, you agree with that? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you, you want to get your basic facts and figures, but a lot of times there is no right or wrong answer. I mean, I I've seen that over and over again in business and you, and you, and in life, right there, you know, so you choose the path that you think's the right choice. And that's where that art comes in your, 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 mm. uh, intuition. 
And so that's the decision that you decide to go with. Now, one of the really big hallmarks of a great leader is to recognize when they didn't choose the right path. Right. And they're, they go, okay, wait a minute. Let's put the brakes on this. We're going to put this on hiatus. We're going to take a, a, a moment and we're going to look at this. And maybe this isn't the right path. And let's look at this and then evaluate quickly. Okay, we learned a lot. We can use this and this, but this isn't going to get us where we need to go. And we need to change directions because that's one of the biggest pitfalls I see in business where businesses are just staying married to a bad decision and they just keep throwing money at it, mm-hmm. you know, time, resources, you know, all those people, which is money. And it just years later, it's still a bad decision until somebody will say, OK, let's let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Perhaps right under discipline should be humility, you know, yeah. to understand that you can be able to reverse course, you know, yeah, there's, uh, there you go. Good to great. That classic book good to great, you know, exactly and I think right. that a great leader has that, that ability to laugh at themselves, to um, be humble. They're, they're a learn it all, not a know it all. Uh, and to, you know, recognize and promote talent and not feel threatened by them. You have to be, you know, uh, you know, that, that, you know, really, truly, uh, you know, a really well-rounded person. <laughs> yeah. It, it's challenging. What other mistakes do you see common leaders or common mistakes you see leaders make? <laughs> well, I just alluded to one where, uh, you may perceive that someone is a threat, you know, that, and, uh-huh. and you actually, if you can, have people working on your team that you think are smarter than you are, that is amazing, right? right. Um, but back in the day, for me, I would often work in situations, especially um, with women who literally had a dagger between their teeth, and they were not going to let somebody else um, you know, move up the ranks because they uh-huh. felt like it was a threat to their the single female spot, right, in on the, on the executive team. Mm-hmm. And So we need to definitely let go of those types of perceptions because you're only as strong as the team that's supporting you. The same thing with, you know, whether that's your internal team, it's external team with your suppliers or vendors, with your partners, um, your family that's supporting you. That's how strong you are is when all those people are helping lift you up. So you want to be doing the same for them to lift them up because even if a team member just, you know, outgrows the organization and moves on, that's still a great relationship that may come back around at some later time where you then can create some kind of partnership um, because there's synergy there. Absolutely. And, you know, I have two daughters and uh, I, I always concerned about, you know, just today in the New York Times, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw the article about uh, about female entrepreneurs and they're, they're con- uh, constantly being compared to, of course, um, Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos, you know. And I mean, we have countless of examples of males who have, you know, been in similar situations. and But we have one here and and women are, are finding themselves kind of grouped with that. Uh, it's It's really unfortunate. <laughs> so what additional challenges do women have and how can we avoid them? Oh, well, I mean, the list is huge. Yeah. It's long. It's wide. Uh, you know, women definitely walk a very tough uh, double-edged sword. 
And my advice first is you've got to be comfortable in your own skin and be able to be authentic in who you are, mm. you know, and, and when you bring, um, that level also of dignity, respect, and compassion to the table with that authenticity, then, you know, if somebody is like, eh, you know, that, that person is just not a good person. You don't have to take that burden on for yourself. You can just say, yeah, yeah, let them go, let them do their thing, but I'm still going to stand on my own power. So the first thing is you've really got to be, um, take that, you know, you have the power to choose and you have the power to choose to be authentic and to be strong. And, you know, that's the first thing and to, you know, really welcome and actively seek um, partners who are going to help lift you up and that you in turn can lift others up. So Very interesting. that's one thing. And it doesn't matter if it's some of my, my most incredible mentors were men, you know, mm. men with daughters. <laughs> mm. And so um, that's, that's the first thing, you know, so we don't have to play the game, the same game that men play because you know, often women are more focused on the impact that we can deliver than the profits that we're going to generate. Hmm. So, uh, and that's not a bad thing, right? It's it, so one of the things is that, you know, you sort of need to know the rules of the road so that you can then change the rules. Fascinating. It, you also mentioned in some of your videos, the uh, imposter syndrome. Can you yeah, describe so that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that is something that it affects both men and women. And mm. I, I really have to tell you this little story because when I first heard about this, I was thinking of it as self-doubt. So, and my team, mm. which is all millennial women, they were working on this project and, you know, and as I was looking at it and going through everything, I was just like, I don't like this. It's just, oh, this is, you know, oh, and my daughter just set me down and she said, mom. When have you ever felt that you didn't deserve a seat at the table? I went, never. She hmm. says, exactly. That's it. This isn't self-doubt. This is where you truly don't believe that you deserve a seat at the table. That's what imposter syndrome is. And it's really very powerful. And, you know, we have an inspire method to help people, you know, break out of that. We have a free course that you can get on our website. So it will help you move forward. And, and once again, you have the power to choose if you want to keep living this way. And so that's the thing. You've got to take that first step and you got to, you've got to be able to take the discipline to take that first step and to push your boundaries and your comfort zone so that you can grow. And then as you do that, just like riding the bike, you know, sooner or later, you're going to be riding the bike all over the neighborhood so you can see your friends. Absolutely. And that's what you, uh, uh, Petite to Queen is the name of your site and the name of your, where you get, uh, you, you're the founder, of course, and you teach future leaders and sales uh, to, to a wide variety. You've got a lot of great content uh, and uh, it's, it's really worth it. Uh, you mentioned you had big sales with big, with large companies. I started a tech company back in the nineties. Uh, you know, we kind of mushroomed off into different areas and it, it's amazing how, um, uh, sales is, uh, relationships oh. and, uh, 
and perhaps that's an area you said leaders, good leaders, if you do it over over technology like this. But it's really nice to shake somebody's hand and have uh, have a cup of coffee with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously today, and uh, <laughs> we're you know, no in person coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we can still have virtual coffees. You can a virtual lunch. You send them, you know, their Starbucks card or the Grubhub ticket, you know, Uber Eats, whatever, and you can get on the call and you can chat. And uh, I I have meetings like that where we're just literally chatting. One of my clients discovered just out of a conversation, well, what did you do this weekend? I was like, oh, well, it was community day. I played Pokemon Go all weekend long. And he's like, I play Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> And now it sort of comes up every couple of conversations, you know, about playing Pokemon Go. But you could literally like, okay, where are you at? I'm gonna, I've got, I can see this. Let's get on a meeting, and we're gonna just do some virtual raids together. You know, I mean, just have some fun. Right. You know, it, that's what relationship building is also about. It's seeing the other, the other person as a human being. <laughs> very, very true. You mentioned you work with millennials. Uh, has that been a challenge? What's the? I think we're around the same age. Uh, what is that? Is that my daughters are as well? I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't really work with that many. What is that like? Oh, well, it's just like working with any other team. Um, mm. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, you know they're they're younger, you know, but they are hardworking. They're excited. Um, they're passionate about what they do. And as long as you can once again tap into that and you provide them with the guardrails and the safety net, then, you know, they just, it's just like anyone else. Just like when I was young, starting in sales, you need those things or my career, (laughs) you need those things so that um, you can excel. Yeah, I know. I remember the millennials that I, that I hired, it was, they're very good at, you know, you try not to email. Generally speaking, if I email after hours, I'm not expecting a message to back until the business day. But with millennials, they'll just get back to you right away because they're on their technology a lot. And it's just a very different attitude there. <laughs> well, mine's a flip the switch. I think from my professional sales career, I will do th- work at night, at weekends. I'll respond to people. I'll look at things. Um, but my team has very strict, like when it, they're off the clock, they're off the clock. And um, Good for them. Uh, several of them don't even have their work email on their, their phones or anything. So- <laughs> uh, I'm the one who's who will respond to things and work at all all hours. So <laughs> quite different. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, the founders and the owners are there's really no off hours. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's what we're doing. You know, right? That's our life. <laughs> that's our life. Yeah, yeah, I still have my fun though. I still go out and play Pokemon Go. <laughs> you love the Pokemon Go. Good for you. I remember when my youngest or my oldest daughter played that. We actually we went to Central Park, and uh, yeah, I remember that was a very big, very big thing. Uh, where do sales teams go wrong? Yeah, so the sales teams, once again, you're, there's first of all, there's the sales chaos because they lack the systems and processes, mm. and also that there's they lack transparency. So it's very important. Once again, for management to create that environment so that all the salespeople know that they're all on the same page. They all have the same deal. They all have access to the same resources. Um, So because salespeople by nature are competitive. Right. (laughs) 
But when you start with that, then you're going to create an atmosphere where they're more likely to work and help one another, you know, because they're on the same team, right? And then they they can see how that's going to benefit them. And so uh, because I've worked in those environments where we're all sort of doing different things and we're not only com- we're it's not only competing to get clients from our competitors, but we're competing internally. And so you want to have that level of competitiveness internally, but it always needs to be focused instead more outside, not pitting each other ever. So that's an important piece of the structure. And management can provide that by being very clear on the deal points. This is what, this is the yes, these are the no's, these are the where we can wiggle, you know, and, and what those points are. So those deal points and knowing that, that also is really st- gives you strength when you're negotiating to clearly understand that. Um, but it's also that transparency within the team members. So everybody knows that they're getting the same deals, right? So if they give up A, they have to, maintain B, right? That type of thing. And so even though the deals could look different, they've all met those core deep deal points that have to be uh, achieved. And uh, the other thing is that when you're creating resources, you know, really tapping into the wisdom of that team and what they're hearing, you know, boots on the ground, what they're hearing, what the clients want, need, or lack, and what's going to make a difference for them, what's going to benefit them, then those are the things that they want to invest in putting those resources in place. But once again, where they're in a cloud location, so they're easily accessible and that they can uh, customize them, you know, but where everything's sort of mapped out also for the salespeople. So they have the, all the way through the sales cadence, they have the things that they can pull based on the situations and they have those materials and then they can customize it for that specific customer. And then, uh, they are able to turn their work around much more effectively. And they're also really focused on their customer why. And then instead of just trying to like, oh my gosh, I have to pull this together and now I'm going to have to work half the night just to pull, find all these things. Instead, it's there and they're focusing on what they're saying to the customer and how they're communicating them and how they're answering their why. Yeah, having those processes and those resources available to them means everything. I remember uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, we needed a lot of uh, computers and servers and workstations from a particular vendor. I don't want to say who, but uh, rhymes with Dell. Anyway, uh, the, the school system here in Connecticut needed X amount of workstations, X amount of servers. We contacted uh, our, our partner there and did deal registration, got academic pricing, submitted a quote, and within two days, they were competing against us. Oh, So a competitive department within the organization found out from us giving them that information and bid against us. So obviously, this is a conflict, yeah. Yeah. We that, happy so that, that's it. just like, that's no, I mean, once again, that's something that management needs to have really firm guardrails in place. Cause that can't happen. No. Um, there's, that is a direct impact on your reputation as a supplier because you were burned. And then the next time you're at a trade show or a conference, or you're talking to somebody else. Yeah. Don't use them because they're going to stab you in the back. <laughs> uh, that is just a kiss of death. So your professional ethics are absolutely critical in every aspect of business. And so that's why having those guardrails, the transparency and understanding the rules is so important 
so that everyone on the team at once, and that also helps the business, you know, go back to their discipline. Is this the right thing to do? No, it's not. I wouldn't want somebody else to do this to me. It's wrong, you know? And that's why we have this in place. The answer is no, you can't do this. We're going to block this from happening. Yeah, their leadership failed. They had competing departments and their leadership failed. Um, Yeah, it's a horrible situation and uh, nobody wins there. Is commission the best way to compensate salespeople? Well, you know, (laughs) I think there's, once again, there's a sort of a two side to that coin. So um, I earned essentially like a retainer with, um, or a, a base salary um, with a commission. And of course, the commission um, makes you hungry. You know, you want to, it's a motivator. However, depending on the type of team that you have, um, commission may not be the motivator that you want. So there are different ways to motivate your team. And when you're creating an incredible impact for your customer and how you're helping them, Commission isn't necessarily what makes, you know, you smile and, and gets you excited and passionate in the morning. So at one, so there is, um, it depends on your business and the model and how you have things structured, but I definitely think having some type of, uh, in a sense, a revenue share is beneficial, not just for sales, but for everyone on the team, because mm. once again, a sales team is dependent upon everyone else in the organization. It's very symbiotic relationship. The organization is dependent upon your sales. We just went through that for the last year and a half. Try living without your sales for a month. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's sort of hard. Uh, And, but at the same time, you know, and I've been there, done that where you work your tail off to get into an account, you get your first project and it's all going and it just completely goes off the rails. And it's almost like your operations are, you know, it's just like, well, whatever, you know, and it's like, no, not whatever. Do you have any idea of what it takes to, you know, the investment a company makes to bring in a new client and then to have that client churn, let alone to your point, that bad word of mouth (laughs) Uh, or even nowadays, you know, you've got, they've created a, a special, you know, website all about how bad this company is, Hmm. you know, (laughs) I mean, come on. So that that's once again, where you get the entire company involved with how important and how client focused they are, because that's everyone's success. And, And oftentimes commission encourages the salesperson to sell more. So perhaps even more than the client needs, uh, and then they have to kind of throw it over the wall. And then operation says, you know, why did you sell this and this? We can't do this. Or they really don't need that. And they'll say, well, it's because I make more commission. Yeah. Well, once again, that comes back to guardrails. And, and I really think that's a part of the management that recognizing when, that that's just, um, uh, that's just, once again, that's an unethical business practice. And if that rises to the surface, you immediately squash that like a bug, you know, and if necessary, then, I mean, those are grounds for termination. So your professional ethics, your personal professional ethics, whether it's a business or an individual, um, 
that is something that takes a lifetime to build and can be destroyed in two minutes mm. if you are not on top of things. By some unscrupulous uh, salesperson. Yeah, absolutely. Trying just getting in or for uh, many, many reasons. And you have marketing that assists sales and perhaps they're trying to get this one account and they're revising assets to, to focus towards this one account and they're handing it over to sales and sales is pushing it and they get to go over the finish line and marketing says, well, actually it was marketing and sales says it was sales. And then of course, engineering says, well, we're the one who's actually do it. You just go sell. You know, Then you have you know, the great leadership lowers the walls and the division between these, uh, between these disciplines. Yeah. No, I mean, certainly that sort of internal, um, uh, fighting is really, um, that that's why when we work with, um, our clients on sales strategy development, the first thing we do is map the customer experience where everyone gets in the room together, at least hmm. all the team leaders, because everyone needs to be involved and understand their role in the client experience. So, because if you don't create, all right, so I'm just getting another little story. So imagine, all right, and maybe you've been there, you know, you're going to Venice, Italy, and you get on one of those wooden boats, right? And they take you out to the island of Murano, and they hustle you into the glass showroom. And all of a sudden, it just goes on and on and on. And you got a salesperson glued to your side, and it's like a wasp buzzing around your uh. head. And you're sitting there thinking, how the heck do I get out of here? It's like an Ikea with no arrows to the exit. <laughs> and you finally get out. And you finally get out. You find your way out, and you think, oh, my gosh. You know, that was horrible. That was annoying. I was frustrated. I'm angry. I'm never doing that again, right? And so when you create a bad client experience. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And not only can you damage a relationship, you can destroy it. It's like throwing napalm on it, right? I mean, it's just gone. So instead, now let's imagine now you're riding this beautiful boat and you go out and the business instead is only focused on how they can serve you, how they can help you and creating a win-win where they know that their products and services are what you want, need, or lack that are going to benefit you Benefit you so you can, so you can whatever it is. So like with the iPhone, when it first came out, it benefited me because I could take three devices and have one. I no That's longer right. had to carry my video iPad and the BlackBerry and this and that. And I, only one little thing I had to have. And it was all there and it could even do more. Of course, I had to have it, you know? That was that Tom Hopkins, I want it. I need it. I got to have it. What is, no, I need it. I want it. I got to have it. <laughs> so that's the way that if you approach your business that way and, you know, your management and the leadership puts that in place and you get the right team members who are all rowing in that same direction, you just create incredible opportunity for your, your organization. And that's a wonderful exercise, just the, the customer journey from, you know, just from introduction, from branding to going, you know, evaluation and, uh, you know, consuming and all, all through that journey uh, and then having everybody involved and know what their part is in it. And not one's more important than the other, even though they may think that, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it, that's a wonderful, wonderful idea. I wish, I wish more would do that. I, I know that I've been involved with you know, some, you know, 
acquiring things over the internet and just, you know, that was very, very sloppy. I didn't find out till things were here. We expect so much now because of the Amazons and things like that. We get to know exactly when it's going to be here within the hour. And, you know, we know the whole process through. And so I think technology is, uh, has, uh, well, I'm a technologist, so I, I like to think that technology helped in a lot of this. You mentioned combining three products into one. Uh, sometimes it kind of gets in the way, perhaps, but uh, uh, I think uh, it, it helps. It helps with, uh, with with a lot of things, especially with remote. Um, you know, and uh, I, I love what you're doing. I love uh, the uh, talking about sales and leadership. And what are the so when people think about leadership, I mean. Certainly, if should they come and get assistance or do it themselves and try it? What, what what's the path for them? Which is when creating a new company and developing leaders. Well, you know, um, I think it depends on the entrepreneur who's creating the company. So you yourself, mm-hmm. you've had this incredible experience. You've been there, done that. You really have a good vision for what needs to happen, right? But then there's other people who they've never done this before, but they've, you know, they're just sick and tired of corporate America. They've, you know, they've made enough that they can go out on their own, but they, they, you know, they, they don't, they couldn't, you know, they don't know what they're doing. You know, they couldn't kick themselves out of a paper bag. They're just like stuck. Right. So it, it really depends on where you're at in that spectrum. But Mm. for everyone, I think having like a business coach, uh, I personally have a business coach. I don't know if you've had a business coach, but they can really, once again, they're that two steps ahead, right? And they can provide you with uh, that peer-to-peer, uh, colleague-to-colleague, uh, brainstorming, ideas to bounce out of, help you see a different angle uh, and bring things to your attention. You have, you know, You have to be open to hearing that. So that you can then, once again, stretch your boundaries and and grow a bit, right? And so I would say that no matter how, where you are, I think having that um, in whatever form it takes, it can be a mentor, it can be a coach, it can be a really uh, close colleague, you know, that you do that with, because I did that for years, you know, in my professional sales career, when I was just literally working for corporate American sales, Mm. um, I did that with some of my sales colleagues. And uh, it was very powerful. You've got a great video on mentorship uh, and and having mentors. What's the difference between a mentor and a business coach? Um, well, <laughs> well, there there's a difference because mentors normally you're not paying a mentor. <laughs> uh. Business coach, you're paying them. Uh, but a mentor can be someone uh, once again who is um, you know. So my often my bosses were mentors. You know, they would point me in the right direction. They'd talk through something so that I could figure it out. You know, they wouldn't tell me what to do. They would talk through something and then voice what they thought might work more effectively so that I would go, hmm, okay, I'm going to give that a try. (laughs) And so that was the type of thing that a mentor is, is just like a coach, you know, they're two steps ahead. Hmm. Um, but they, but they, uh, it, it's a different relationship. 
Uh, very early on in in the in my company, I learned about peer groups. It's an IT company, still is, and you know, meeting with peers uh, four times a year, and you know, being locked in a room for a couple of days talking about a couple of problems and leadership and management and profitability, etc. Really, really propelled my my business and let me know that I'm not alone on an island. You know, uh, <laughs> so, I'm sure I'm sure you've had similar peers are very important too, similar to mentors. Oh, absolutely. Well, a peer and a colleague can be mentors, right? Because um, they may have encountered something that you haven't, you know, uh, or they just worked through it, or they know something that you don't. So one of the things that will happen to me is that, you know, I'm on a podcast <laughs> and uh, I'll mention like some of the different podcast uh, platforms, you know, for guests. And, and I'll have, they'll say, what, what? I've, I've never even heard of those. <laughs> So afterwards, I'm sending them an email saying, okay, well, here they are. Here's what you do. And it's that's the thing. You know, you, you get some great knowledge or some ideas. Um, and you discover something that you hadn't thought of before or you haven't heard of before. And you go, oh, my gosh, you know, light bulb. That makes total sense. I am going to do that right away. I'm going to put that in place, like right after this call. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the one of the kind of regiments we had was we never tell people what, what to do, but we had a similar experience and this is what we did. And this is what we learned. I remember one of the first things was disc, you know, the personality, uh, you know, uh, I, I know there's plenty more Myers-Briggs and things like that, but just having the employees go through that exercise and learning how the different, you know, areas discipline being D by the way, uh, you know, and how they work with each other was just huge. And I didn't heard of this before the peer groups and, and there's peer groups that aren't vertical in technology. There's like uh, young entrepreneurs and there's all these kind of, you know, uh, nationwide groups that you can just, you know, find that mentorship in peers. Very powerful. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And, um, I'm in a number of different ones that, um, that I, uh, you know, and, and I can, you know, I learn something you know, and it's great having these conversations. And it's also an opportunity for if I do know something that I can share it and give back. That's the important thing, giving back. Yeah. Well, Lynn Whitbeck, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time today. So tell us how we can get in touch with you. <laughs> it's so easy. There's only Lynn Whit one Lynn Whitbeck on LinkedIn. <laughs> So that's easy. Or you can go to either one of our websites, uh, petite to queen or futureforwardsales.com. And petite to queen is the number two between petite and queen. Yes. Yes, it is. Although I also own petite T.O. queen. (laughs) Oh, just in case. Yeah, I did the same thing. I bought a bunch of domains. You never know if they misspell everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's part of technology. You probably got that advice from a peer. No, actually, it was from our attorney when Lynn, I started thank the you business. So- <laughs> ah, very good. Yeah, yeah. And there's another thing: getting good people, getting good attorneys, getting good. Uh, you know, finding great people is part of great leadership as well. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that peer groups can also help you with because they've worked with somebody who they can recommend wholeheartedly. Um, and from a sales perspective, there's nothing more valuable than a warm referral. Yeah, than a warm referral. Absolutely. Lynn, thank you so much for your time. I learned a lot. I really appreciate your feedback. Hopefully, maybe soon we'll get to do it again. Maybe even face-to-face sometime in the future. Who knows? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that would be fabulous. I'd love to do that, Joe. Thank you so much, Lynn. You be well. And you. Take, stay safe. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Penn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? you be the judge you can go to our paypal account to do that as well thank you again for listening or watching joey pin's discipline conversation